Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, an iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick podcast network production. I'm Joey Santos. And I'm Alan Nevins. And this week, I am very excited to have the brilliant client of mine in the studio with us, Heidi Murkoff. Heidi is the genius behind the longest-running New York Times best-selling book in history, What to Expect When You're Expecting. You're going to love this interview with her. She's smart. She's funny. She's a joy to be around, and we're covering a lot of topics. I've traveled with them, and they are, she and her husband are a blast. So I think you're going to enjoy this. So let's grab a drink and dive in. So, Joey, I'm really thirsty. So quickly tell me, what is the cocktail you've created for Heidi so that I can jump into it and... We'll have to make another one for when she gets here. Yeah, well, you can start with this one because it's pretty warm out today. And I made a uh, sangria. And with fresh fruit, there's strawberries, blueberries, uh, fresh mint, and uh, I used red wine. Sometimes I do it with white. Sometimes I do it with rosé. Today I had a really nice bottle of red, and I popped that and uh, made it made it with red wine today with a lot of ice. So I have a question about that. Because you're mixing it with all these fruits, and, and this is really delicious, you don't have to use great wine, right? For sangria, not really, mm-hmm. you know, but I uh, I tend to use a, a moderate bottle when I say a great bottle of wine, meaning not a, right, a $2, or, what do they call two that? Two buck chuck. Although that works really well. Right. I just choose not to because, you know, you're adding things and, and a real wine connoisseur, they're not big on sangria because it, it's bastardizing. It. Right. You know, you're adding simple syrup, you're adding fruit juices. Yeah, but this is really Some people good. add ginger ale. This is like you know, fruit I don't, punch, but, but this has some sort of soda in it, right? Yeah, you do a little bit of, uh, I, I like to do a little uh, Perrier just for the pop the fizz, but then I added a little bit of simple syrup for the extra sweetness because red can be a little tart in places depending on what you're using. We so. should, we'll post this on the website because this is something I would make. This is delicious. It's, oh, like, it's, and it's a little easy, bit yeah. like punch. It's easy. It looks great. It tastes great. Yeah. A little bit of fresh lemon juice I put in there too. Uh-huh. And then, the, of course, the, the lemon, a round of lemon, you know, a wheel of lemon rather. Great. Well, so, I think enjoy, she'll love it. Enjoy. You know, she's a big wine connoisseur. So Yeah. Well, that's why I brought her a nice bottle of wine because connoisseurs don't really favor sangria all that much. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're thirsty, you're thirsty. What um, can we kvetch about this week? I'm sure I have oh, things. Oh, I have one. And I should tell about my flying lesson yesterday because it was a riot. Okay. Well, this will go with you. You tell your flying lesson. I'll tell you what I discovered on my way home from the airport. Oh, there you go. So, you know, I'm doing my cross country now. And my instructor, the, the weather has been not great in the morning. It's been cloudy or foggy. And he's he's been wanting to take me through the B airspace. For people who fly, what that is, is it's like LAX with a lot of commercial flights coming in, and it's a very controlled area, busy. And he has been wanting to teach me how to get through LAX to fly to Long Beach. Or, or it's hard enough getting through LAX on the ground. Right. Well, driving. So, and, and it's different because you you know, you know have to follow a certain course, and obviously there's planes landing and taking off. And, I giant mean, LAX, ones. giant ones. And there you are flying through like, you know, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so it was fine going. And I found it quite easy because you literally fly right over LAX so that the planes are landing on your left and they're taking off on your right. Oh and you're kind God. of going right through the middle of that V, right? And uh, But <laughs> but I've, I've, there's a lot of radio work. And, there's, and it's going very quickly when you're going through an area like that uh, in Los Angeles. Because first you have to fly, you have to get out of Van Nuys, and then you have to switch radios quickly, and you have to get information reports on where you're going. And then you're connecting with Santa Monica, and then you're connecting with SoCal Approach. And then and then you have to go into this special flight rules area as you fly over LAX, which is 
Interestingly enough, it's like going to an airport that has no tower. It's just you and the other planes communicating and saying, here's where I am. And you have to follow a very narrow corridor over LAX that they allow you. You have to be right on 132 degrees and you cannot waver and you have to be at exactly the right height and you cannot go at a, over a certain speed. So we're going through there and you know, you're communicating. You have to say, okay, here is where I am now and here's where I am. So other planes know exactly where to find you because nobody's paying attention to you except yourself at this point. And you're doing this on a clear day. This is a clear day. Well, yes, otherwise you'd be under instrument flight rating and then they would be controlling you. So it was all fine. They made us fly towards the Queen Mary. Then they bring us in and you set up like you would land at any port where you're flying parallel to the runway. Then you know you make a U-turn to land. And just as we get to where you would turn, the first we see a Southwest airline land on the opposite the cross runway. 737, probably. Probably. But it's cr- on the runway that crosses the runway we're landing on. I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. We're running. We're going one way. They're going the other. And you're on an X pattern. And just as we start to make that turn, the tower says, uh, make a sharp left and head straight for the numbers, which is the end of the runway. So now to do that, we're paralleling. We're literally flying right along the runway where the jets, the big jets are landing, which was a little unnerving. But it also meant when you got to the other runway, you had to make a quick left and land. It was a short runway. And even my instructor is like, what are they asking us to do? And I was like, don't I'm say that. I'm anxious listening to I was this. like, don't tell me that. Because he, he then said, no, you have to go over here. And then we're going to have to set up. There's not enough place. If you turn, you're never going to be able to land. We get on the ground fine. It was actually a pretty good landing despite all the problems. But then as we pull up, we get on the taxi, you know, then you have to switch to ground and they get you to the end of the runway again. And then you switch to tower. And I said to my instructor, I said, why don't we call, uh, why are we not calling for clearance while we're on the ground like we do in Van Nuys? And he said, well, you can do that. That's a good idea. So we switched to the clearance. We asked for clearance and the guy says, well, if you want clearance, you have to go back to the warm up off the off the taxi. we got to go to the warm-up. So we said, okay, well, then we won't do that. We'll do it once we get in the air. Let's just take off. Then I went to switch the radio, not knowing he'd already switched the radio. And I now think I'm talking to the tower to take off. And then suddenly we hear clearance go, are you trying to reach clearance? Are you trying to reach ground? What, who are you trying? And we both looked at each other like, what is going on? So he quickly switched. Then I start talking <laughs> And realize we've switched to ground when we need the tower. Yeah, and then you hear, welcome then to KISS FM. We're, we're apologizing to everybody <laughs> along the way. We were kind of laughing despite it's sort of a serious mistake, but we were on the ground waiting behind two other planes. But it was a little bit of a, a mess trying to take off no, again at Long even. Beach. I can't even. As a kid, you know, I'm, I'm still, fa- I'm, you know, infatuated with airplanes, especially airliners and all that stuff. And so I was a kid. I was always, I want to be a pilot. I want to be a pilot. I want to fly a 747 or, a, you know. And then I realized my limitations. And then it switched to, you know, I think I'll just be a flight attendant. <laughs> you know, maybe I can get through, you know, chicken or beef, chicken or beef, elbows, mm-hmm. elbows. And that even that got confusing. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do something different altogether. I was going to say, I'll the airline a, would fire I you. I think I'll just be a passenger. I would make a good flight attendant, though. Until I would be, somebody said something you didn't like. Oh, you, you, you want a pillow? Them. You want a pillow? <laughs> I'll give you a pillow. I'll, I'll give you a face. pillow. No, but I would be a good flight attendant. I would be the kind that waits at the front door like... Good evening. Good afternoon. Welcome aboard. I would be that one. Would you like mm-hmm. a cocktail? But I can only be the flight attendant in the first class section. <laughs> I can see like them bringing rows. you into the office. Now, Joey, <laughs> you can, when you don't like someone, you can't show them to the door at 35,000 feet. Chateaubriand. There'll, there'll be I no more carve. of that. <laughs> <laughs> here, let me show you yeah. the bathroom. Talk step, about sky step miles. Through here. <laughs> uh, what do they call that? The what's that member you become? The Mile High Club. Yeah, yeah. I have some sky miles on that flight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I didn't become a flight attendant or a pilot. Right. But now what happened to you at the airport? So driving back from LAX, I pick Andrew up. He had been gone for a week visiting his family in Michigan. So I pick him up at the airport. His plane got in very early in the morning. He was coming from Michigan back here. So I picked him up and I said, "Hey, let's go have some breakfast." Anyway, so uh, we're driving down La Cienega and I see this billboard that says Swimply. Swimply Swimply.com. So it just goes to show you now, it's sort of like an Airbnb for swimming pools. 
So in other words, in your home, you have your swimming pool. Right. Now people can, can rent, it to rent people? your swimming pool for the day or the weekend. There is no way in hell that in my house or have a beautiful house, have a beautiful swimming pool or whatever, and you're going to let a bunch of strangers and you're at drown home in, in your the pool. house, drown in your pool, or a bunch of kids leg. jumping off the side of the thing. or uh, That's not going to happen. First of all, you know what the insurance would be on that, number one. Number two, how, how could you live like that? Well, you know what? That app probably has to carry, that's doing that, has to carry massive insurance to cover you. Yeah, so but if still, someone I mean, does But sue. have we got to that place where we don't even have the that integrity of our home? And Isn't that, it called that, a community pool? That's what I said. Can't they, can't they go to the beach? Or community pool? There's plenty of those community pools. Or don't you have a friend that has a friend that who has that, a friend that has a friend that goes to who the community pool? Who knows someone who has a pool? <laughs> anyway, I, I was so blown out by that. I thought, you know, you know how expensive you're putting in a pool. You know how expensive that is. You want a bunch of strangers renting your pool, especially on my weekend. hillside. No, they'd fall down the stairs. You know, and it's like. What do we become? Nothing is ours. And then I think it's deeper for me because what it does is it takes away, and which I've said so many hundreds of times before, it takes away people's um, desire to do it for themselves, you know, to, to work harder to build their own pool or to buy a house with a pool or to have the things for themselves because now you can just – it's like posing. You know, you're having somebody else's luxury. Right. So that's what I find offensive. So that's what I – had to say about that. It just kind of irked me a little bit. You know, it's like you're going to Airbnb my car. Do you know what I mean? It's like posers. Maybe. That'll be next. That's you a know. good idea. Not my car. You either. rent your car to somebody else I for think the they day. Have that already. Oh. It's an Air C and C. It's called Lyft. Anyway. So that annoyed me. And, you know, I'm sure people will be, you know, upset that I said it, but, you know, get your own pool. Well, that's I it. I don't even have a pool. I don't even have a pool. I'm waiting for your pool to be built I so say, I can come to your house. You're so incensed for something you don't <laughs> well, even have. Well, because it's the idea of <laughs> right. You know, not being able to. Well, when I have my pool. I'd be happy Maybe to rent it to you for the day. Yeah, you'll rent it for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll rent it from you. Yes. Bullshit! I'm not paying for anything. I'm coming over. You just give me the keys. <laughs> climb over the wall. So you can start the pool. <laughs> climb over the wall. Just leave the heat on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was my irk. So today we have someone on the uh, podcast that you know and uh, that I've represented for a while. I, I think people are going to find her to be a little different than what they expect. But I get it? Than what they expect. <laughs> they expected something than what they got. But we're going to speak to her about her huge best-selling brand because it's really more than a book. And while people know what to expect when you're expecting as a book, it has really grown into a massive brand. And you and I have talked about this before. She followed something that she loves, and a business came out of it mistakenly, really. It was something that she feels uh, very close to. Her heart is into this. And because of that, a brand and a best-selling book came out of it. She didn't go into it to, to make money. She just followed her heart and the business came. And you know, we've recommended that to people I have on this show quite a few times. You know, take what you love and you'll find a business out of it because if you love it, you're happy to do it 24 seven and look, you can make money from it too. And that's in a sense, sort of what happened here. And of course, uh, the brand has, has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and it's international. I think where the book is now in 44 languages. Uh, there's a podcast that, that they did for there's a- an app. There's an app, which is huge, but the, the app is an extension of the website, which is also huge. So stay tuned, because coming up, we have the mother of what to expect when you're expecting, Heidi Murkoff. Okay, so joining the conversation today in studio, which is always exciting, we have Heidi Murkoff. Welcome, Heidi. Hey, you guys. Welcome. Good to see two you. Two guys. <laughs> the two guys. The two sitting guys. Sitting in Hollywood. Yeah. So I don't know if With you know. one but girl. E and one girl. And one girl. Each week we do a cocktail inspired by our guests. So Joey has created something for you, which I will let him explain. Yes, please do. Well, I understand you like red wine. I do. So um, because it was a hot uh, day today, I did a red wine sangria. 
Ooh. And it's called What to Expect When You're Not Expecting. <laughs> so actually you yeah, can, that's, that's so the a, pregnant girl can drink it. That's the only problem with being pregnant, honestly. I liked everything <laughs> else except that part. Not being able to. You can yeah. at certain times of your pregnancy, not can't really. you? Like the night yeah. before you got pregnant? Yeah, yeah. Well, in my case, it was the first six weeks before I knew I was pregnant, but long story. <laughs> also, Might have been seven. I like to call it the not expecting sangria. Okay, well, you call it what you like because uh, yeah. you're not expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> you won't be anytime soon, no. Alan. No, um, Eric's been fixed, so I also good. want. I also want to – I bought you a um, bottle of – Nice wine, because I know you do like red, so I want you to enjoy this with Eric. Ah. And it also has an apology attached to it. When yeah. I did that party, that Thanksgiving for you, oh. no, and because it never left my, uh, my angst. No, because I love you guys so much. Aww. And, you know, I have a problem which I've corrected, and that was learning how to say no, not now. Gotcha. And I had literally five clients on the same day wanting the same Dinner, right? And so I stretched myself so thin, and I outsourced with with another chef and my assistant to try and get a few going because the ones I had to be on site for, I could not get off site. I would have preferred to be at your house doing it myself. And I sent someone else that, and it was a disaster. It was Chef Boyardee. It He's was really good. Oh yeah, well, keep him in the can. <laughs> It was a disaster, and I want to sincerely apologize in person. And I always Aww. told Alan when I see Aww. them again. I will make that amend. That's so that special. is from me to you Thank and Eric. You. And please accept my apology and allow me to make it up to you. At oh, least. well, you already did. <laughs> already oh, my did. God. So anyway. There you go. And thank well, you for thank uh, being you. so gracious about that. Yeah. It was a disaster. That waiter, I wanted to strangle him when I found out. Oh, yeah. It was funny. Oh, God, we, please we, help me, we Lord. We asked if there was more breast meat, and he said, What, did they take no, off his bra? No, there isn't anymore. So <laughs> Emma found it the next day in the oven. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> I'm not oh, he, No, but I mean, he's... She found it ne- literally I mean, I the next him. day in the oven. I fired him that <laughs> same day, and I've never, you know, he's called me, and I'm like, I'm sorry, uh, this number has been disconnected. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, anyway. Hmm. There you I go. guess that the next day it was a little dry. You think? Just, just with a little. The dry the day of. D- dry with a I, touch, I uh, just a hint of salmonella <laughs> and E. coli. Just oh, that sounds hint. delicious. Yeah. I don't want to relive any of that, please. <laughs> that was a chef story we're, that will never, ever leave so my... over Well, isn't this great? We you have 30 just, minutes we, to rub it in. <laughs> we stopped yeah. celebrating well, Thanksgiving. <laughs> like the seasoning? Not. <laughs> rub it in, Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. I will well, be drinking this entire I didn't know drink. you were going to do that. Yes, so no. Well, yeah, but it never left my. Aww. You know, so anyway. Are you in therapy? No, but I, now I, I think I'm good now. Good. Okay. There's still Excellent. PTSD every time. I, every time Thanksgiving comes around. <laughs> trust, I'm like, oh God, no. Trust me for us too. <laughs> trust me on that. No more stuffing. No more. Oh, Lord. Oh, we have a theme, actually, this week for Do you. Do we? Yes. It's called, What to Expect When You Unexpectedly Create a Cultural Phenomenon. Oh. I don't know what you could be talking about, but... I don't either. I'm going to go with the flow. Well, I'm, I'm going to look at my notes and see what we are talking about. <laughs> um, no, I, we've got some questions for you, actually. You do? We do. Huh. We have lots of things to talk to you about, so we're hoping to get through a tons of them because we we always get off track anyway. Yeah. So I suspect that will happen here. Sure thing. <laughs> um, your book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, which is the original book in a book that has quite a few other books now in the series. Yes. Um, has turned into a film, an app. I was afraid you were going to bring that a up. A podcast. Yeah, the well, we good. don't have to focus on certain things. <laughs> And then a huge, huge website, yep. which has really mm-hmm. grown. Uh, but it's also then for you turned into a movement and activism. The book, the books have sold worldwide over 44 million copies, Ooh. which is a massive phenomenon. Wow. And when you started this, was this anything you perceived or hoped it would be? Or did I it, expect it? Did you expect it? Well, uh, I don't think you probably no. expected it, but did you ever foresee it being uh-huh. as big as it is? No. Even so, in sort of dreams. Okay, you probably have heard this before. I probably but, have, but Yeah, but what haven't. happened was... Um, <laughs> oh, yes, I have heard this I before. I got knocked but... up. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was an oops. Pregnancy, we had just got married in oops. Remember the six weeks of drinking I did? Yeah, didn't see it coming. 
And so uh, it happened. I guess I should have seen it coming, but that's literally how clueless I was. I mean, remember, I was like, tw- I was 22, mm-hmm. 23. So um, I went to An the- An uncontrollable, I went, obviously. Yes. I went <laughs> to the bookstore. Remember those stores that sold books? Remember yes, they had yeah, shelves? Yeah, shelves, and, and they put books on them. Yeah, like I made what out they of paper. Those places. Yeah. Yeah, they were called bookstores. I am almost positive. So I went to the bookstore, and I there there was like two books, maybe three, and I bought them, and I found them uniformly terrifying. And so um, about pregnancy, yeah, about yeah. pregnancy, and I I true true story because you can't make this shit up. So two hours before I went into labor with Emma. I delivered a proposal for a book that would eventually be called What to Expect When You're Expecting. But I was just a mom on a mission, thought nobody should have to, you know, be racked with so much worry. Parents should be able to sleep better at night. And I thought if a handful slept better at night than Eric and I had, then I accomplished what I set out to do. So literally, that's all I expected. And then from there, the mission is the same. It's grown exponentially, but I I could never have predicted that. Definitely didn't expect it. Um, And it's not why I did it. So, and it's not why I do what I do every day. You know this, Alan. Right, I do. Because you you send me all, you know, these proposals for, you know, make this money, make that money. And And I'm like, no, it's not not true to the mission. And that's, that's how I... Have well, there's a lesson to be learned here because, you know, I have that original contract that you did. For oh, that yeah. There's a lot of lessons to be learned. <laughs> Just saying. Well, it's a lesson for us, though, in my my group because uh, I, I saw the advance, of course, that you got for the first book. Well, and when we get yeah. when we get books in today and I say, oh, you know, that book's only going to make so much. We don't have time for that. Oh, right. <laughs> of course, if we had done that on this book, we would have been enormously sorry. Well, because... exactly. And I, I will never forget Peter Workman's famous words. You remember these? Which ones? There's so many yeah. I could quote so, from them. <laughs> like, nobody will ever read yeah. a book no. on an electronic device. Right. Well, that too. But <laughs> wow. but he did say, after the first year it sold, like, you know, a, a, like 75,000 copies. Maybe it was the second year. And and we were talking about, you know, maybe you should do more promotion. He said, listen, this is great that you sold m- this many books. You're never going to sell more than that. You're no Lee Iacocca. Oh, Okay, so that dates me, well, but nobody you. else will date me, so whatever, right? Yeah. Why would you so, want to be like Lee Iacocca? Well, at the time, he was the best. It was on the right, New York Times bestseller list, yeah, and yeah, so that that will ne- I'll never forget that because it turned out I wasn't. Right. Thank God. Why is it important that you wrote this book? I feel like every parent needs to know what to expect, and I feel like every parent. You know, this is whether it's your first time or your fourth time, every pregnancy is different. Every baby is different. And I even if you've been through it four times, you need a hug. You need someone holding your hands and you need someone to tell you you're not alone, you know, that we're all in this together. And that's been the spirit of what to expect since the very beginning. And I feel like it's sort of resonated that. Moms, yeah, a couple people moms have read it. it. Yeah, a couple. Well, <laughs> how is it received? Because as a person that is a male, number one. Well, <laughs> number two, a pregnant male. No, but oh. won't, won't get pregnant anytime <laughs> right. soon and won't be having children mm-hmm. and, you know, naturally or otherwise. But how how has it, how have the men or the husbands or the fathers or the potential fathers responded to this book and what lessons have they taken from it for themselves? So dads have evolved their their place in pregnancy and I I'm the first to say I am a dadvocate mm-hmm. and always have been. I feel like Eric was way better at the parent thing than I was even from the start. Well he doesn't have to have stretch marks either. Well Okay, but I didn't have any stretch marks. <laughs> At least not in round one. Uh-huh. Round two. Round two, I was in labor, and I saw one zigzag its way across my belly. But, oh. okay. Anyway, no, my pregnancies were really pretty. Did you scream, get the plastic surgeon yeah, in here? Yeah, yeah. It was actually entertaining to watch. But, um, yeah, it, it used to be, like, in our own father's days that, 
you know, you you sat in the waiting room or you... Handed out cigars with your friends. In fact, Eric's father wasn't even in the waiting room. He was at home when they called him and, you know, twice because he had twins, but they didn't know he was having twins. So anyway, long story. Yeah. Um, so dads now, as far as I'm concerned, are full participants in the, the entire pregnancy or should be, and they should be engaged through the whole process. And it's not... Unfortunately, women do a lot of... It's called maternal gatekeeping. It's like, you know, this is women's, you know, this is for the women folk right. kind of thing. And and that's not valid. In fact, from biological standpoint, fathers experience a surge in estrogen, not enough to grow breasts or anything, but enough to bring out the nurturer and the male of the species. They experience a drop in testosterone during pregnancy and postpartum. And if you listen to your biological signals and if you don't let, you know, maternal gatekeeping in, get in the way, then dads are really perfectly suited to mm-hmm. be parents in every sense of the word. No, they can't they can't breastfeed, but we're working. They can on try. It. They can try. <laughs> they can try. And you know when But there is nipple play. There, there is. <laughs> so I've heard. Um, probably not the kind of play that a baby enjoys. But no. still, that that said, um, when fathers do skin to skin with a baby, which they should do early and often, mm-hmm. and babies don't care if you have fur. They just don't care. Dads release oxytocin just like moms do. So that's the bonding hormone. Right. Um, yeah. So, and we've seen there there's some pretty amazing dads out there, actually. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they truly are. Let yeah. me ask you. So um, that expression, we're pregnant, I mean, is relatively new. That's because yes. men now are much more sensitive. And, and, and like you said, experiencing actual physical symptoms that you can actually well, relate and, to and the pregnancy of the And they always did partner. experience, it was what was called sympathy symptoms. Uh-huh. You know, People would joke about it, like, see, he packed on a few pounds, but actually it does have those hormonal roots. Right. So the guys actually have a valid reason for, you know, that's sending them to the ice cream in the Uh freezer uh because that's estrogen talking. So they do pack on a few pounds. Um, It's sympathy, but it's also empathy. Right. Which um, is, is a deeper connection by far. So guys, yeah. By all means, get engaged. Um, you don't have to get married, but you have to get engaged in the pregnancy uh-huh. and in becoming a parent. Because there's nothing that a mother can do that a father can't do just as well, if not better, given the opportunity, besides right. the, the obvious. The obvious. obvious. Yeah. 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 One other question I have for you. There, there's a term called the Madonna complex. You want to explain that? Joey's so full of questions today. I, <laughs> He's got a lot of pregnancy First, I'd have questions. to know what it is. Okay, so... A lot of uh, women, you know, they they kind of insist or they would like the husband to be there or the partner to be there when they give birth, you know, mm-hmm. there with taking it out and the whole, yeah. you know, the whole thing. But then there's something called the Madonna complex where the, after that happens, the men get turned off for oh, sex yes. because then they see their wife as this sacred being delivering a child. Well, that's why they call it the Madonna complex. Yeah, actually, and then they, I haven't called. I, I I haven't heard it called. What that. do you call it? BS. Holland Tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was uncalled for. Well, come on. That you see that head coming out of there. You go. But I'm saying, um, this is stories yeah. that I've heard, No, too. no, no. So here's the thing. Um, birth is, is, is painful. I mean, frankly, I would have preferred to be somewhere else when it was taking place. <laughs> I did not, you it's know, I didn't have an orgasm or anything like that because there's also orgasmic birth, oh, um, oh. which some women strive for. I, I am <laughs> a huge. You didn't have one when you were. Giving. I am a huge. That's. I am a huge <laughs> fan of orgasms. Trust me on that. But this is one time when it was the last thing on, on my mind. mind. <laughs> last, very last. Not even close, not even in the top thousand. So, but some women strive for that. I wasn't, I didn't enjoy anything about it um, because I was in a lot of pain. And I, and back in the 80s, they didn't offer you epidurals. You were just like crunchy granola time. So uh, I just whimpered quietly into the pillow because I'm not a screamer. You can ask Eric for verification of that. <laughs> We're going to uh, do that. <laughs> 
That's and, called a pillow queen. Right. <laughs> and, and so um, it, it wasn't super fun, but I became a mother anyway. Eric thought it was incredible. He watched, and he thought it was beautiful. And and when I hear dads who are, you know, sort of ambivalent, when moms say, you know, my husband's amb- not feeling it about being there and watching, and that's, of course, a personal choice, but I feel like they often get caught up in the moment, and and their their worst fears are not realized. Right. Mm-hmm. So I they wouldn't may... want to be there for the strangling of a cat either, so... I mean, I can okay, see why. Also, not, I can see why, not yeah. a valid I can see comparison. <laughs> I can see why you may also not want no, to be there. So, strangling a cat and driving <laughs> no, a truck I, I, through I a tunnel. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know. Out of a tunnel. Right. Okay. My great grandmother on my father's side, um, she had twenty children. Oh, that's so all. She had eighteen boys and two girls. Wow. Yep. And she took all them and a heart attack. <laughs> and she, yeah, well, they didn't have Johnny Carson in those days, so there was nothing else to do at 11 o'clock at night. I guess. Uh, she uh, would take each child to Italy and so that, that they would have their citizenship, their Italian citizenship, oh, except wow. for the two girls, except for Marie and Rose, which is my grandmother and then her sister. But yeah. So, That's and then aside amazing. from that, she was also a midwife. So not only did no she have. 20 children of her own. Well, she had a lot of experience. She had a lot of experience, yeah. See, right now... And an uh, exhausted husband. (laughs) (laughs) He was a winemaker, believe it or not. He had his own wine. He was a wine drinker, too, I bet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, now she'd probably be a doula because doulas... She'd be... Yeah, I think she'd be a lot of things now. (laughs) (laughs) But doulas are... Well, anyway... They're awesome. She'd be chastised now for having yeah. so many she children. Was, she, would, mm-hmm. she would be one of the Duggins or something, or she'd have a t- oh, TV God, series yeah. on uh, mm-hmm. whatever that She had them is. all one at a time, not no twins? No, she had a couple of twins. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but not that many. I think maybe two, two sets. But then, I mean, that's 20 children. Wow. Hang tight. We'll be right back. So I guess I should divulge that I've represented you since... 2000. Wait, From, since before the Mike I was Ovitz born. Days. Yeah. Just when you were, no, just when you were about a toddler. 10. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you robbed the cradle. Yes. <laughs> Still? But, Exploiting children, but, that's what you do. What do you think is the most common misconception about you? And then I'm going to share what I think is the most common misconception about you. Okay. Um, most common misconception Unless about me is that... it's the same, that, and then my well, share will be boring. <laughs> I, see, I feel like the misconception previously was before I was started the app, and my videos are in... Everybody watches those so they know what I look like. But a lot of people would be surprised that I wasn't... Well, I am a grandmother, actually, but, you know, like a super, 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 With a rocking super, chair. Yeah, exactly. And a shawl. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't wear not even clothes at all. Or rockers. I don't no. even wear those. But you're shruggy that they, they think no. you're sort of that elderly, motherly figure. Yeah, you kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's probably. I could see that. Yeah. So I feel like that's one. I think that is one. I agree with you on that. And also, people are surprised to find out that I write the books. Oh yeah. Well, yes. I was. One. That's sort of part of mine. Yeah. Because well, oh, well, I'm really curious to hear what yours is. Well, it touches on that. I think people. You know, people are very jaded today, and so they sort of feel like, oh, you know, the book's about money and the thing. And, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think that when they meet you and they see who you are and find out your or, or discover your passion mm-hmm. for healthy pregnancies and for other women, that their whole attitude changes because uh, they discover you would do this for free. Yeah. yeah well, there's you, integrity and, and you involved. Do. Yeah, and yeah. you do in many <laughs> things. You don't take yeah. money. Mm-mm. You go on to do things. In fact, you and Eric spend a lot of your own money traveling and helping. And I think that you know people don't realize how passionate and committed you are to this. Yeah. And the books are really secondary for you. They happen to come out of your commitment and your passion. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and that's been a blessing and a curse. Not the passion part, um, but the but the fact that yeah, I'm torn between um, you know the books and all the, the the other work that we do with the What to Expect project. We travel, or or did travel before COVID hit, um, like most weeks out of the year, just mm-hmm. to do 
baby showers for military moms around the world, also um, visiting, you know, refugee camps and uh, clinics. And our last trip before before the pandemic was to Bangladesh and India to visit um, maternal health clinics there. So I would actually rather be with moms, babies, dads, you know, doing that. Um, and I can't call it work because it's not work. It's just passion and, and sure. pure pleasure and joy um, than doing anything else. And and that includes making the money. But I have to make the money in order to to do to give that back, work. Yeah, right. So it, right. it, so it, and I, and I actually, I mean, I love helping. I'll moms message me, dads message me from around the world on Instagram and I respond to every message. So, you know, I'll FaceTime with a recently, a couple in South Africa is having a really hard time. I FaceTime with them because they needed a hug. You know, they right. needed some reassurance. Um, and this is something that I would do anyway mm-hmm. um, and not, be, you know, for any kind of credit or anything like that. It's just because everybody needs that support. And it shouldn't just be limited to people who are going to pay you money. Right. It should be for anyone who's vulnerable. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a, I can't say it's my favorite part of the job because, again, it's not a job. It's it's passion. But... It's kind of a calling. I have a good friend that's a doula. Her name is Kathleen Sullivan, oh, and she is so committed, doulas. so passionate. And she is approaching 70 and has been doing this wow. for the last, I would say, 20 years. That's and amazing. she's never had any children of her own. But Aww. she says, but these are my children. Yeah. And each child, it's just that bond that she, the, the, what she gets from that is yeah. just, and she's very, very, it is her life. And you know? I consider doulas the missing link in mm-hmm. maternal health care. Um, they, they're not medically trained, so they don't take the place of a doctor, a midwife, or even a nurse. But they are by your side in emotional and physical support. Right. Um, yes, yeah, so so, it's not just the baby. It's the, no, it's the mom. the mom. Actually, doula comes from the ancient uh, Roman times uh, when, um, or was it Greek? Well, one of those ancients. Uh-huh. <laughs> when, <laughs> Some when, ancient language. Yeah, and and they would um, that would be the the servant in the household who was uh-huh. devoted to the mother. Right. Um, of course, that has evolved quite a lot, but doulas are those emotional and physical support people Mm -hmm. and especially for moms who don't have are not empowered or don't get listened to in in certain settings that is incredibly invaluable to have that advocate for you and that's what a doula is we just passed uh two pieces of legislation through the house and senate uh one a doula resolution uh recognizing the work of doulas and one a doula for TRICARE, which which will allow military moms to get a doula under their health insurance, which is incredibly important because if you think about it, moms sure. in the military are serving thousands of miles from their family and friends and their network of support. They don't have that emotional and physical support that they need, and, and that's where a doula comes in. Now, let me ask you this question, too. You know, there are women that are just not cut out to be a mom, mm-hmm. but physically they are. Yeah. But emotionally, they don't have it. There's a disconnect. So as much as that doula is important to the mother, wouldn't you consider also so that child gets that nurturing and that that bonding that they're going to need to be better people? Well, is, is that something? A doula, I mean, most doulas are birth doulas or some postpartum doulas, but um, they are there for the mom. Uh, and they do lower the risk of complications as well as postpartum depression. I feel when there's a disconnect, there's usually a reason why. Mm -hmm. Um, And often it's related to a mood disorder. Uh, Women who have a history of mood disorders, anxiety disorder, depression, OCD, uh, even eating disorders. There are all kinds of mood disorders that that can manifest themselves during pregnancy, postpartum. And can interfere with bonding, um, can interfere with a mom enjoying her her experience as a mom. And that's why intervention, that's something that's super important to me, is that, you know, there's all this hype about moms loving their babies at birth. And I, I frankly, they put Emma on me and I was like, thank God that pushing's over. But I didn't feel emotionally connected to her. Mm-hmm. Lots of moms do and that's fine. Yeah. But it's not like... 
you know, the heavens open up and, you know, maternal love just like showers down Mm -hmm. on you. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And often it's just like, a you know, takes a little while. For me, it was, you know, just feeling my, you know, getting my mom legs, Mm -hmm. which took a bit. But for some moms, it's related to postpartum depression or anxiety disorder. And those need treatment. And there's some starting to be some lifting of stigmas involving mood disorders in the general population. And people like that. that But not enough. And and really, I mean, what I say to moms all the time is, you know, because we again, we expect so much from ourselves and we look on Instagram and all the influencers are beautiful and they're and they are glowing with their babies and they got right back into shape and all of this. Um, that's not reality necessarily. And so we put really high expectations on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Guys don't do that, by the way, not to nearly the same extent. So we judge ourselves really harshly. Um, and, And I always say to moms, you know, sometimes being strong, mom strong, means asking for help. Sure. And I, that's what I encourage moms to do. That's interesting to know. So women who don't suddenly have that, they they may feel guilt, right? That they didn't have that instant bond and exactly. they think something's wrong right yeah. away. Yeah, and bonding, it's not like super glue. It's not like all of a sudden you just they hand you yeah. your baby and it sticks for life. It's a bond that begins prenatally because, you know, you, you feel your baby kicking, your baby right. hears you talking. But it's not necessarily an instant connection that, you know, you can put up on Instagram and say, I'm just so in love with my baby. It's not always like that. See, I love this. This is when one gets to see their passion. And, of course, we have a business relationship. Yes, we do. So it's only when we're together do I get to sort of see and hear the passion. And we've traveled quite a bit together. Yes, we have. And I have to say one of the times I remember best is when we went to Cairo, right before their uprising. We were there just months before. Mm -hmm. And we had one of the events you did was they had all those women, I don't know if you remember, the, mm-hmm. in the room. Yep. And they had warned us that because of their social fabric, these women were going to be very cautious about asking questions because they didn't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so there was some concerns because <laughs> there was a big Q&A yeah. to the, a big piece to this event. And I remember I had tears in my eyes a little bit because mm-hmm. when they opened it up and you said, does anybody have any questions? Hundreds of women yeah. jumped up with their arms and their Because you know air. why? Because it, you just need to give people a chance to feel empowered to ask questions. And if you're, the assumption is always, well, women shouldn't, you know, they should just keep their questions to themselves. And, and truthfully, in a lot of cases in the U.S., it's still like that. For mm-hmm. black moms, for for other moms of color who just don't get listened to, are um, not respected or responded to, and they do have questions, but you have to you have to pay attention. And I think I, I you have to make them feel like they matter to you. There's fear. There's yeah. anxiety. There mm-hmm. has to be so many. I couldn't even begin to. It's an know. overwhelming, terrifying experience pregnancy and and your body is changing in so many ways plus but, there's the long term you're thinking oh my god i brought a child and i have there's exactly. college there's all sorts of things yeah ahead. but and even, i have to even, say no for the next 20 years of my life yeah, yeah. i mean i don't even have a dog for that reason no no sit down <laughs> lay down shut up be quiet. well some parents don't do that emma um so just but anyway um but i see the same thing i'm no matter where I go, you know what I say. Motherhood is the ultimate right, sisterhood. sisterhood. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, mm-hmm. um, what a woman's socioeconomic, religious, cultural, political profile, she shares a bond with every other mom. And all you have to do is break down all the other barriers and give her a hug, which is the universal language. Yep, yep. And, and, and they will open up. I mean, I remember being in Sierra Leone after Ebola and visiting clinics there. We were in a tiny little African village. And the moms, like, I don't know, it was like 75 moms and grandmothers, elders, all gathered around to see me. Not, they didn't know who I was. And why would I expect them to or want them to? They just knew that I was there to see them. And they were asked, you know, do you have any questions? I got so many questions. Of course, there needed to be translation, but they understood that I was there to, to help and, and, you know, to hug them and to hold their babies. And it was 
that just it just reinforces every time I I see moms that that connection is real. You know, the other thing that always surprises me is that you've been on tons of talk shows. Mm -hmm. You obviously you've done media everywhere. You have this book that's been on The New York Times longer than any other book in history. And uh, you've met politicians and people from all over the world, yet you've managed to keep your private life private. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Emma sort of, yeah, Emma sort of like <laughs> put an end to that. But no, there's nothing that I that, there's nothing that I wouldn't share. I mean, because I have nothing to hide. But um, I, it's it's not on purpose mm-hmm. because it's just I, not applicable. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not. I, well, I think it's, it's interesting that do people do. don't come after you as the celebrity who wrote the book because they're so yeah. enamored by the books that there's. It feels like, well, why? Why would we go after her? Maybe uh, a lot of times, you know, you have a I huge best-selling it. book, and the authors are always, you know, constantly, and you yeah. know, people but can't I'm, even name the book. I'm right? not a good <laughs> self-promoter, as you know. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not about self-promotion, so it's really hard for, mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, but I, it's a good thing, don't you think? Because what you're promoting is what you really care about, which is yeah. the pregnancy. Oh, yeah, there's not an yeah, ego yeah. that you're pushing. You no, know no, what I mean? No, That's yeah. the difference. No, no, yeah. no. But sometimes we'll fall, but it's okay. But you do have some crazy stories, many of them coming right stories. out of Hollywood. As a matter of fact, I do. You, anything you want to share with us? <laughs> well, we weren't going to talk about the What to Expect When You're Expecting movie, were we? No, I'm talking about stories of things that have happened to you. You know, I oh, heard there's some oh, stories yeah, about... about Tom Arnold. And- Tom Arnold and Cameron <laughs> uh, while making the movie when we flew down to to Atlanta. Yeah, I got a few up my sleeve. So, yeah, Anything I, that you we can were, share that we, won't annoy anybody? We, we were on a trip. <laughs> I don't remember where we were going. I think it was... Actually, I think our ultimate destination was Easter Island, which was like the va- last vacation we took was really long time ago. But um, but Tom Arnold was on the flight with his wife and his baby. And for some reason, I have no idea why, but the pilot told him I was on the plane. I don't know why. I don't know why the pilot knew who I was. But he comes over and he introduced himself. I love your book. I love your book. And so I ended up holding his baby for the entire flight, which was great. And then he was the same age as By Lennox. your choice or his? No, I have my choice. Okay. And it was, um, I do it all the time. Eric's like, you know, you that could be like crazy lady kind of behavior, just telling you. Um, but if a baby's crying, you know, you yeah. want to help I'm going to fly with you, you more often. Out. Because if there's, a, there's yeah, always yeah, just a crying child in my way. But anyway, his baby was the same age as Lennox. So this story is, is actually related. Um, and so they started to, Lennox started going to his um, playgroup. Now his playgroup included Kristen Bell. Lennox, your grandchild. Yeah, yeah. Kristen Bell. Well, her her baby. And one day Lennox was at the playgroup. I think that it wasn't Kristen Bell. There was her nanny. But Lennox went over to the bottle of breast milk that she had it. expressed for the occasion oh, no. and st- and drank Kristen Bell's breast milk. <laughs> so there's that one. Um, and now he wants to be an actor. Yeah. It's in his blood. Well, sort of in his bodily fluids. But he um, he lapped it right up. <laughs> Yeah, he thought so, this tastes better than mine. Well, anyway, Emma, because Emma so much alcohol in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's condensed milk. Um, so yes, there's that, and of course, Cameron Diaz. All the you know, filming the What to Expect movie was. Uh, I will not quit my day job for that. Just saying, <laughs> um, that was an experience. I don't think I'd necessarily want to repeat. People love that movie, though. I cannot understand. But they always tell me, I love that movie. What it's are you talking about? Movie. I love that movie. It's a cute movie. And it's a real couples movie. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. And worth uh, seeing. You can download it on Netflix. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and, and yeah. So when I when we were on the set, we were on the set a lot in Atlanta. And, and they said, Cameron Diaz wants to see you in her. It wasn't a trailer. It was like a big, giant tent. And I said, oh, great. So I went in, and she was in a robe, 
and she opens her robe and flashes me and it was her she was so excited because she had prosthetic boobs and a belly and she was so excited to share them with me but then we had this incredible conversation her character was supposed to be pregnant and she didn't and Cameron didn't want to have an epidural in in the movie and and the producer was like who would want to you know who would choose not to have an epidural and she was insisting like oh it had to anyway but I, I fought for her. Even I had an epidural once. <laughs> yeah, see? It's not it's not so bad. Um, yeah, and then the other great... There are a lot of great stories from that, but um, there's a scene in the movie but where... Cameron won out on that. She did, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember the scene. But that's because the... Eric and I practically got into fisticuffs over that. I, I almost got kicked off the, the set because I was like, you know, trying to make my way... They were going to have Matthew Morrison and Cameron Diaz have their baby, deliver the baby, and then take the baby away, away so they could have a romantic conversation. I'm like, what? They're supposed to be holding the baby, doing skin to skin. Ugh, it got nasty for a while. But anyway, <laughs> I was not going to let that stand. So they they did end up doing that, but they used like a five-month-old for the baby because they didn't want to show I any remember. like fluids the baby and walked stuff in. like that. Yeah, so. the baby walked in, um, fully dressed. Where do I sit? Fully dressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and but the other funny, really funny story is we were uh, filming. They were filming the scene where uh, Chris Rock and the dads, the dudes group, yeah. they're they're walking through the park with their like kids. Yeah, in the strollers right. and in the. In the carriers and the elizabeth banks character is trying to get into labor and uh so they're walking through the park the couple are walking through the park and they're like yelling out you know have have sex you know all these things that are purported to start labor and chris yells out tweak her nipples (laughs) and the director's like cut 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 chris that's that's not in the script that's not in the script and and he's like yeah but i read it in what to expect (laughs) so um it doesn't actually it does not say tweak your nipples but there's a box on nipple stimulation and so he he just kind of edited that for he made it into a a quick yeah tweak your nipples (laughs) so that's still in the movie just saying (laughs) so what is next for you what would you like to do next I would like every mom and baby <laughs> to have the support they need to have a healthy pregnancy. Is that asking too much? I would like to change legislation in in the U.S. to make sure every mom is covered, uh, that Medicaid doesn't expire, things like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about next steps for what to expect. Well, no, I think that that, that that's, that's I, I mean, you yeah. have gotten a little, you know, politically involved recently to try to make Very. some of the things that you think should happen, happen. Yeah. And, and, and we're, we're making strides. I feel like, you know, we've had um, four pieces of legislation passed that are bipartisan, which is almost unheard of. And it's like, well, if there's one thing we should be all be able to agree on is that moms and babies should be healthy. Right. Right. Um, family values should value families, right? right? So anyway, it's it's a process, but I'm, so I'm what trying are to change these, hearts What and are minds. these resolutions that we were able to get Democrats so, and Republicans <laughs> to agree on? I'm fascinated to hear. Yes. <laughs> two, oh, yeah, that. Two, two resolutions, one um, actually just passing, which is a bump day resolution because we just had our seventh annual bump day recognizing the the crisis of maternal health. We have the highest maternal mortality rate in the developed world in the U.S., with black moms three times more likely um, to die than than white moms and and American Indian moms as well, almost three times as likely. So, um, but that's not to say white moms have it easy. They're still down in the U.S. They're oh, way down oh, yes, yes, yes. the ladder on oh, healthy pregnancies. Absolutely, especially moms in rural areas. So. Bump Day is a day to you know celebrate healthy pregnancies and beautiful bumps, but also a day to realize that a lot of moms aren't getting the care they need in the U.S. and around the world. So that's one. We did the doula resolution. Um, Susan Collins and and Dick Durbin um, both sponsored that, and it passed. Um, and two pieces of legislation in the National Defense Authorization Act this year. Um, one, uh, the Tricare doula. Uh, Act and also one on mental health assessment for for military moms. 
So we've been busy, but that's just the beginning. Got mm-hmm. lots and lots. I'm more glad to there's do. a military thing in there. I think we forget about these people who go out and risk their lives and oh, and protect gosh. our nation and its values, and we and then we kind of throw them to well, the side when they return yeah. and when they need us most. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. also because let's Lowest face on it, the, totem pole. the children and you know moving every couple of right. years and the moms not having support mm-hmm. and just there there's so much that we take for granted that and plus other, the loneliness they deal with the loneliness constantly is constantly alone and then stuck with all of that and yeah well, how many uso visits did you do last year we virtually uh, instead of in person which is not the same yeah well be- let's go back to the year you did them in person okay so we've done about uh we've done over 300 mm-hmm. um we do them in okinawa korea guam alaska kansas oklahoma texas and um, you New do Jersey. this on your own time yeah. and your own, own you time, do it because it and needs we pay to be for done. it ourselves well, we have a partnership with the uso um, and this is, we do dad showers for military dads, you know, these big strapping Marines ask so many questions about becoming a new dad. It's really, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. Them? We shower them. <laughs> Bathe them? Well, that, I'm going to leave that up to your little. <laughs> I saw yeah, Alan's eyebrows go, ooh, dad shower? Dad well, shower. Well, Will is a past Marine, you know, eight years in the Marines. Oh, well, yes. Oh, yes, right. Yeah. Yeah, so. You know, bubble baths, and he's got a sixteen-year-old so son who's about to be seventeen in January. So it's an uh, interesting time. So and want... his dad wasn't his dad in the Marines too, his, and his mom and his wow. brother. The entire family is Marines. So wow. then you know what it's like. It's really incredibly isolating, stressful, and um, and you know we, the when you think about defense spending and you say, oh, I don't want to you know spend money on them. Those are military families who don't have right. a support system. Actually, and the money you're talking about is like money. one missile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or one toilet in the army. You know how right. expensive yes, toilets exactly. are. No, for sure. Yeah, so we have to do a better job. Yeah, we do in lots of different ways. Yep. And that's what I'm working on, besides updating the books mm-hmm. and toddler you years. Know, yeah, exactly. Throw it in out there. Just saying. Public forum. <laughs> Just saying. You'll be delivering the new updated toddler years soon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Before uh, we let you go. Where can listeners find you on social media? Oh, it's it's really easy. It's at Heidi Murkoff. That's my Instagram. That's my Facebook. That's my Twitter, even. Right. Plus, they can go to whattoexpect.com. At, at what to, yeah, at what to expect is the social media and then whattoexpect.com. And yeah, all, everybody's got the app. It's, right. an, it's an incredible app. It's great. Super popular, and you get to watch my videos every week. Exactly. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and we do. And we do. Yay. I learn how to breastfeed. And, and you watch yes. all sorts of things. See? <laughs> so. I, well, thank you. Well, thank you, we guys. We love having you on here. Yeah, it was really I know. It would be a lively discussion. Cheers to that. Thank we you. Didn't it's good even, to see we you. We didn't even get to sex. I mean, not well, in we'll do a besides part orgasmic <laughs> birth. <laughs> right. The sex is later. Yeah. After we're off the air. Okay. After the foreplay. Ooh. Um, and dinner, please. Let's yes, please. Make this up. Yes. Okay. Not turkey. No, absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'll> pass. <laughs> yes, you're gonna have to dazzle them with something else. Yeah. Oh, that, I took that. Okay. Let I it heal. Let it heal. It won't heal. I have to hear about it all the time. <laughs> so. Well, thank you guys. It was super thank fun. You. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, well, you obviously owe them a dinner. I can see that. That was a surprise. But as you can see... I had to clear that up because that really kind of irked me that that happened. No, I know. You mentioned it to me many times. But I was so wrapped up. On that day, I had five different dinners to do, and I outsourced it. I had somebody do the food for you them. You outsourced my no. Well, I mean, client. I still made the menu. I created, but the person executed it horribly, and I take the I take the responsibility for it. So I owe them big time. Well, that's but they're fun. And yeah, they are. They're and forgiving. People. But you know, and... you know how I am. I'm I'm a perfectionist, and that that destroyed me. Right. I never forgot it. This is a few years ago already. Yeah. Yeah, the Thanksgiving that will never be. <laughs> the no thanks. That's no a no Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to just let no that thank die. You. The no thank you Thanksgiving. Your, in somebody else's swimming pool. Let's drown it in somebody else's pool. <laughs> All right. We'll rent, we'll rent a pool rent and, and drown the turkey. Rent it and leave a turkey. turkey floating in it. 
<laughs> Undercooked. <laughs> Sounds like it was overcooked when they it was found over the next day. I'm destroyed by. I, I want to kill it, and uh, whatever your name is, Alan. <laughs> See how flustered you made me. Okay. Anyway, well, listen, that was fun. So leave us a message. Send us five stars. Do something really helpful. We don't like anything hurtful. We're in a positive place, so you may not leave negative comments. Um, tell your friends. That does help us immensely. Yeah, it does. So uh, if you're interested in sending us a question, and Alan just told you how to do it, and um, you do it um, on social media or email, contact at twoguysfromhollywood.com. And we'll talk at you soon. Two Guys from Hollywood is hosted, created, and produced by Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. Produced by Lauren Boone. Edited by Marissa Ewing. Music by Luca. Executive produced by Dan Patrick. It is also executive produced by Paul Anderson and Nick Pinella for Workhouse Media. This podcast is a production of Renaissance Literary and Talent and Dan Patrick Productions in association with Workhouse Media. Two Guys from Hollywood is a production of iHeartRadio and the Dan Patrick Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.